Yeah, congratulations. Let's turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 6. And we're going to... Um, there's a genealogy in there, and the names are just too hard for me to pronounce. So go on down to verse 26, and we're going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it in terms of, of influence. I think we're living in a day where we need some people to have a positive, godly, biblical, moral influence on our society. But I think most of us probably do the same thing that the, these Israeli slaves as they're making their way through the wilderness, uh, and Moses begins to write down the story of what happened to set them free. So remember, when Moses writes what we're reading in Exodus, he's telling us the story of what previously happened. Now, I think if you had a bunch of slaves, you were thinking, what, what could we do? How could we go into a land? How could we run anything? How could we fight battles and win wars? What, what are we going to do? We're just a bunch of nobodies. And sometimes we feel like that. What good am I? What use do I have? And I think this particular passage is written to show you and me, but also to show the people living back then that Moses was a lot like us. That even though he was the great influencer and the deliverer of these slaves, the guy who stood before Pharaoh after all. I mean, I would think... If I were hearing that story as a, maybe a young boy in the wilderness heading from the Red Sea into the Promised Land, I'd be thinking Moses was larger than life, that probably he had a superhero costume on under his robes, that surely he never faced the fears that I would feel. He never faced the inferiority and inadequacy and rejection, those type of things. I mean, this is a super special type of person. And so Moses tells us this story, and he tells us this story. Well, how many times have we heard this? This is a repetition. It seems as though Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, is wanting to make a point about who he is, who he was, where he came from, and uh, to spotlight, I think, the power and the glory of God. Look at verse 26 of chapter 6. These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to bring the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. Aaron uh, is, of course, the spokesman for Moses. Verse 28. And it came to pass on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips and how shall Pharaoh heed me? Now, we've kind of seen that before. That's a repetition of what we saw up at verse 12. Almost the same words. Moses saying the same thing. Now understand that particularly in the Old Testament, when something is repeated, that's an ancient way of saying this is large font. This is bold print. This is a headline. Get this point. 
And so the fact that this is repeated over and over and over, it seems as though the Lord wants us to get the point that Moses was a man with a lot of fear. Moses was a man with a lot of inadequacy. Moses was not this big confident man that said, I'm up to it and I'm ready for it. Moses was very reluctant as we shall see. How shall Pharaoh heed me? Now, why does the Bible bother to put genealogies like are in there in the verses just before this or in Matthew chapter 1 or in Luke or I mean what do we need from all of that what's the point well understand that when these words were written they were written a long time ago to a specific audience and it would have mattered to them everybody that read Exodus for the first time or heard maybe Moses or maybe Aaron read it for the first time they would have known exactly who those people were and it would have mattered to them not so much for us and I think especially that's true as Americans you see uh, whatever our heritage may be if you are a Native American then uh, you know that with the history, there was a, a lot done with your people to separate you from your heritage. If you are an African American and your ancestors were brought over as slaves, there was a lot that was done. You were given a new name and all of that. Did you ever watch Roots? You, you ought to. And uh, just to see that the heritage and all of that is kind of stripped away. But even for those of us who are of European descent, in Europe, you were no better than your father was, and you were entitled by them. You were either a lord or a lady, a duke or a duchess, a prince or a princess, maybe even a king or a queen, based solely upon who your father was, solely upon whom your father was. We talk about people today feeling entitled to certain things. That word entitled comes back from Europe, from old Europe, that if you had a title then you were uh, entitled, using that word again, to an education or to money or to privilege or something. If you were not titled, then you were not entitled to those things. But when we came to America, the titles were gone. And all of us became uh, equal, at least that's the goal. And we had an equal stance, an equal vote, equal citizenship, equal rights, so that we could have a president that was born in a log cabin who uh, became the leader, Abraham Lincoln, and people like that. We're different. And so our heritage is not nearly as important to us in this country because some of us don't know what it is. Many of us don't know what it is. And it was all set aside. We were told that those things are not important here. We do not have those kind of titles or that kind of entitlement in our country. But back in the days when Moses lived, the genealogy was kind of like an ID card. You know, uh, if somebody says, show me your ID when I'm at an airport, I pull out my wallet and I take out my driver's license and I give them my ID with the beautiful picture on it. Aren't those the greatest pictures? And that shows who I am. Back in the days of Moses, what would an ID card look like? I mean, carve it out of stone and carry it with you? Uh, that'd be a little bit difficult, wouldn't it? So what they would do is they would say, who are you? And they would say, I am Moses, the son of Amram, the son of, and you could go all the way back through there, even to Abraham. They knew their genealogy. 
Now, this one highlights, there are some people that were left out, but it highlights the important ones that are in here to trace Moses all the way back to the tribe of Levi and also to Abraham. In other words, if you were living back then and someone said, who are you anyway? And you just said, my name's Greg, and that's all you said, they wouldn't accept that. But if you could give your name and your ancestry where you came from, somebody would recognize these names. Somebody would say, oh, you're related to my Uncle Bob. You're related to somebody else. And that gave them credibility. And so the fact that the text here says this is the same Moses and Aaron. These are the real ones, the real deal. They're not imposters. They didn't come to take advantage of a situation. They were called by God. They have the heritage. They have the credentials. And that's why they would uh, bother to do this. It would actually matter um, unto them. Now, when we talk about these things, we have to kind of get the story here that this idea of why does the Lord want us to hear this particular thing. God calls, Moses says, why me or not me or I'm not qualified. Why does the Lord want us to do that? And I think he does that because he wants us to understand that people of great influence are not always what we think. They're not always the confident people with all of the answers and they're ready and they're ambitious and all of that. How many times in the Bible does it seem to be the greatest people that God called were the ones that nobody else would want, for one thing. How many times does it seem that the people that God calls and uses greatly, they don't seem to have the right pedigree or the right education, and and people kind of look at that and say, how could you be anything special? And God uses ordinary people, doesn't he? And he uses ordinary people in one way that I think we forget, and that is through our influence. Now, you may influence a lot of people. A president of the United States is going to influence the free world. You may be a person who just influences your son or your daughter. And in that, you're doing a great work because you never know what they're going to be or what your grandchildren are going to be or what your heritage is going to be. And everybody's influence matters. Don't ever sell yourself short because, first of all, great influencers are ordinary. And this family tree and everything that we see here tells us Moses didn't, you know, he he wasn't in a space capsule that landed on earth. He uh, was not some type of alien invader or somebody with superpowers or anything like that. Just an ordinary person. He had parents. He had grandparents. He had great-grandparents. He had great-great-grandparents. I mean, all the way back. In fact, it blows my mind when I read this story so many thousands of years ago that I had people that were my ancestors living during this same time. Now, they weren't part of the... Uh, of Egypt and they weren't part of the slaves or anything like that I don't know where they were and I don't know what they were doing and it probably doesn't matter anyway but you and I because we're here now we know we had people ancestors of ours living during this very time and as we think about how we got here and how we are here today it was all through normal means There was nothing that was just absolutely um, amazing or uh, unusual or supernatural about all of those kind of things. Now, God was working in a supernatural way, but that's not how you got here. 
You got here through the normal means of reproduction and generations and all of that. And you know what? That's part of what the point is about Moses and his genealogy. He's not Superman. He's not anything like that. He's ordinary Moses who got here by ordinary means. And when the Lord calls him, the first thing he says is, How am I going to pull this off? This is bigger than I am. I'm just an ordinary guy. You may feel that same way. We live in extraordinary times, and we're just ordinary people. And there are some things we can do and some things we can't do, but let's just do what we can and be the right kind of influence for the glory of God and for the cause of Christ and for the well-being of society. We are salt and light, Jesus said. Nobody eats a piece of steak and says, Whoa, where did you get this salt? Nobody praises the salt. Oh, this is wonderful salt. They talk about the steak. They talk about the meat and how well it's seasoned. And the salt is a part of that. The salt influences the natural flavor of the meat, right? And you and I are not here to take over anything. We are here to be salt and we are here to be light. And it's the Lord of the salt shaker that determines where we are and how strong we are in our situation. Some people are much stronger and bolder than others. And yet all of them have influence because all of us as children of God, have an assignment. That leads me to point number two. Not only are these great influencers like Moses ordinary, but the great influences also, they're chosen. Moses wasn't looking for this job. Moses did not go on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, a, a deliverer, I want a job to deliver slaves or anything like that. He did not uh, put out a resume or anything. In fact, he's in the backside of the desert kind of hiding out. He's hoping that nobody really notices him back there. Now, that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Sometimes uh, we want to get away from everything, and then other times we kind of gripe because nobody's noticing or watching us or paying attention to us. Well, Moses doesn't really want to attract any attention. And then the burning bush happens and God speaks to him. And God tells him, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm calling you to do. And Moses' first reaction is, well, nobody could do that, especially nobody like little old me. And yet the Lord continually tells him in these first six chapters, Moses, this is not about what you're going to do. This is about what I am going to do. Just trust me and just obey me. As the old hymn says, trust and obey. And obedience really is tied together with trust. If you don't obey the Lord, it's because you don't trust Him. And I can assure you, if you really are trusting Him, obedience will be the uh, result of that, no matter what you think about yourself. Moses was not the one who caused this to happen. This was the Lord who has chosen him to do this. And I don't know what your situation in life is, but I do know this. You were chosen to live now. You were chosen to be in the family of, of origin that you have. You were chosen to be a matriarch or a patriarch over your family and over your descendants. And you have influence that you are supposed to use for the glory of God. And you have been chosen for such a time as this. Which brings me to number three. This great influencer, Moses, was not eager, chomping at the bit, and ready to go after uh, all of this. In fact, what do we find him all of these times, whether it is at the burning bush, whether it is after the first meeting with Pharaoh, or whether it is in what we're looking at now? What is he? Eager? No. 
Is he up to the task saying, Lord, I'm your man? No. Was Moses here saying, it's about time, Lord, I've been ready and I've been waiting on you to do something? No, you don't find anything like that. In fact, you find Moses being like so many of the servants of God are. When the prophet Amos is standing before the king, he just admits, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I'm just a herder of sheep and uh, someone who tends to um, trees and fruit and that type of thing. I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody representing somebody. When Moses is called, he first says, Lord, send anybody else but me. I can't even speak well. This isn't the right thing to do. You're making a mistake. You remember in the Gospel of Luke when the Apostle Peter first meets Jesus. Jesus is needing a boat to go out into the water. And he was going to use that as his platform to preach to the multitudes. And he tells the fishermen there, those professional fishermen, to go out into the lake and uh, cast their nets again and they would have fish. And uh, Peter said, you know, Master, look, we've toiled at this all night. In other words, we're the pros. We know what we're doing. But nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. And they went out there and the net was full. And you remember what Peter said? Depart from me. I am a sinful man. I mean, over and over and over, you find this feeling of inadequacy, ineptitude, incapability of doing this. And you and I have felt that same thing. You ever been asked to teach a Sunday school class? You ever been asked maybe to be a deacon? You ever been asked to head up a ministry? You ever been asked to do something and your first thought is, oh, oh no, not me. You need to get somebody else. And you know what? As I read through the Bible, you know what I find? Those of you who are the most reluctant in those things, those of you who feel the most inadequate, you, you just might be the one that God uses in a great way because you're in good company. Because the truth of the matter is there are no people who are just adequate and ready and all of that because all of us are like Peter. Depart from me, I am a sinful man. Even the great prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he sees the Lord high and lifted up, remember? What's his response? To walk up and say, hey, Lord, high five. It's good to be here with you, and, and uh, where's my seat? Isaiah doesn't do that. He says, woe unto me, for woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I come from a generation of people with unclean lips. Kind of sounds like Moses with the things he was saying about his lips. I'm just inadequate, and I'm unclean, and I'm unprepared. I'm not ready. I'm not up to all of this. Because there's something about the reluctance there that was not just simply a lack of faith or a lack of unbelief. There was an element of that. But it was a whole lot more of just the humility of Moses in seeing that this job that God wants to do could never be done by Moses. And God keeps telling Moses, you're missing the point, bud. The job is not about what you can do. It's about what I can do through somebody like you. Have you ever heard the old saying that God can take a crooked stick and hit a straight lick with it? And that's what he does all the time with anybody. I don't care who your heroes are. I don't care how knowledgeable, how powerful they seem to be. All of them that I've met, and I've had the opportunity to meet a few, they all had feet of clay. And they all had insecurities. And they all had flaws, just like you, just like me, and just like even somebody 
named Moses. And so over and over and over, the Lord seems to be spotlighting Moses' inability, Moses' incapability on things because he wants us to know it's when we are broken, it's when we are empty that God can really use us. It's in our pride and our arrogance and our confidence that we become unusable before God because our confidence is never supposed to be in the flesh, but it is supposed to be in the Lord. And then the last thing I want you to notice here is these people of great influence. You know, they face a lot of rejection. We don't always see that. We see their successes. We see their victories. We don't see the times when they weep in the middle of the night. We don't see the times when they feel so incapable of doing things. And then they try to do it. And what happens? All of their worst fears are, cons- are confirmed. People don't receive them. They reject them. You see, in my mind, I would think if God ever called me to set slaves free, I would walk in before Pharaoh strutting and I'd point my my finger in his face and say, let him go. And he would fall down into a pile of goo and say, okay, okay, don't do anything else. And we'd walk out of there and it'd all be done in about 10 minutes. But you find that so many times when God works and working through people, he allows us to face rejection. He allows us to face scorn. He allows us to face betrayals. He allows us to face all of these things in order that we might not trust in ourselves, but in God. But even more than that, He allows us to go through those things so that other people might not put their trust in us and be a man-pleaser or a man-follower or make a God out of us or make a guru out of us, but to glorify and honor the Lord. Because after all, that's all you and I are supposed to do is to reflect His light and reflect His glory, to give out His truth, and uh, then others see the glory of God. It's like Jesus said in Matthew when He said, Let your light shine before men. Why? So that others will see your good works and then glorify your Father who is in heaven. And we miss that last point so, so often. So think about this. Here's Moses, a guy who is so influential among the Jews. He is a tremendous hero, always has been and always will be. And he has also influenced Gentiles like us. He's even on our Supreme Court building. We think about all of these things, and yet we find him here. And how do we see him when he's unmasked? How do we see him when we look for his superhero uniform? It ain't there. It ain't there. And what do we find out about him? He's just an ordinary person. Came into the world just like you and me. We find that he is a chosen person. And you and I have been chosen in grace to be a part of the family of God and gifted by the Lord. And in that choosing, there's an assignment for us. And your assignment's not mine and mine's not yours. Let's just all do what we're supposed to do. We find in there there's some reluctance. All of us feel the inadequacy and and we look and say, how can I possibly do this? I could never do anything like that. And yet I bet in this congregation this morning, even for some of you who are watching by live stream, there's any number of you that have been used by God in great ways and your testimony would be, I never thought I could do this. Because the truth of the matter is, you didn't do it, did you? It was God working through you, His mighty power. And all of us, as we serve God, are going to face rejections. And those rejections are not unknown to the Lord. They're not accidents. 
They come up in order to teach us. They come up in order to remind us of who we really are and who we are in the Lord, and we better emphasize in the Lord. We sometimes trust in the arm of flesh. The old hymn says, The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. And that's 100% of the time. The arm of flesh will always fail you. You dare not trust your own. But we have a God who is bigger than that. And a God who teaches us through those times when we are rejected. Those times that we are alone. Those times when we don't understand. Those times when other people aren't listening. Those times when it seems like everything we do falls on deaf ears. It seems like the crop that we plant is not coming forth. And yet the Bible would tell us that we shall reap if, 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 conditional, if we faint not. Quit fainting. Quit losing heart and do what you're supposed to do and understand that it's not really about you. It's about the God that you serve. And that's what Moses had to learn. And he had to learn it in some difficult, difficult ways. The Bible says in the very next chapter, and we'll cover this later on, it says, For the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as a God. In other words, God's spokesman or ambassador to Pharaoh. And Aaron, your brother, will be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh uh, to send the children of Israel out of his land. Now, there are three phrases that speak to all of us in all of our inadequacies in this. It says, The Lord said... It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what Pharaoh thinks. It doesn't matter what the slaves in Egypt think. This is what the Lord said, and God's word never returns void. Stand on those promises, child of God. And then he says, notice, that I have made. This is not the work of man. This is not the planning of the biggest and the brightest and the best. This is not the building of a revolution or a riot or anything like that. This is something that God is doing. He says, I have made. And then he gives us the assurance, it shall be. Not might be. Not we hope it will be. But it shall be. Because everybody has influence. As a child of God, you were chosen to be who you are and where you are. Your inabilities and your faults and your fears are all known by God. And they are factored into his sovereign plan. You may be rejected by humans, but you have been accepted and you are empowered by almighty God. And when are we going to learn? When are we going to learn? That if you got the endorsement of the president this morning, it would pale in comparison to what the Lord has already done for you and through you and said about you. Child of God, you're not a loser. You're not on the losing team. You're not on the backside. You are on the side of victory. Your Savior sits at the right hand of God the Father this morning, praying for you, sovereignly orchestrating everything. And he sits there when? Until his enemies are made his footstool. And there's no question about that. It is going to happen, and he is going to return, and he is going to take over, and the Prince of Peace is going to rule on the throne of his father David, and it is going to be a glorious, glorious, day and you've been chosen to be a part of his army you've been a chosen you've been chosen to 
fulfill the assignment that he's given you, whatever it may be. However big it may be, however small it may be, it doesn't matter. As one person said, there are no big dogs or little dogs in God's kennel. We're all just dogs. And all we do is what the master tells us to do. And that's all that matters because the master is pleased when his children obey him and it brings glory to his name. So don't waste your influence on things that don't matter. Don't use your influence to lead people in a negative way, in an immoral way, in an ungodly way. Use your influence, however quiet or however loud, however weak or however strong it may be, just use it for the glory of God. Because it's through the influence of God's people that societies are changed, families are changed, and lives are changed. How many of you are born again? Would you say amen? How many of you got that by yourself? Or did God use someone else to proclaim the truth to you. It may have been a preacher from a pulpit. It may have been a friend. It may have been a family member. It may have been loud. It may have been celebrative. It may have been a part of a big group. Or it may have been very quiet. How many of you that are born again that just said amen. How many of you had somebody that God used in your life to bring you to Jesus? Can I just see your hands? There you go. There you go. Now you be that for somebody else. You be that in this land and in this world where things are so chaotic, where anarchy, there are people pushing for lawlessness and all of that. You know what? You and I, we may not be much, but we can be influences for what is right. And in this world of atheism, in this world where the things of God are being thrown down and rejected and the blood of Jesus is being trampled on, be an influence in your witness for the cause of Christ. You can talk to somebody. You may not be able to talk to everybody, but you can talk to somebody. They may or may not receive what you have to say, but a seed might be planted. You never know. You never know the crop that is going to come forth. But, but you've got to plant in order to reap. So my encouragement is start planning. Use your influence for the glory of God. And if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, what a pointless existence. What a, you're just drifting along. You don't have a plan. You don't have a Lord. You don't have an assignment. You don't have anything except to drift through life and then to die and to spend eternity in hell. What a waste. What a waste. But there is a God. And there is a Savior. And God, this loving God, sent His Son into the world to live the life you and I could never live, a perfect life. And when He died on the cross, God the Father poured His wrath out on His only Son on the cross on behalf of us. Those of us who believe in Him, our sins are paid for by the sacrifice, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only one who wasn't an ordinary man. He looked like it, but he wasn't. God in human flesh. And he rose from the dead. You and I can't control death. We can't conquer death. And we can't get death off of us. It's going to win eventually, isn't it? But Jesus conquered the grave and came back. And now is seated at the right hand of God the Father where he is Lord of all. And I just want to ask you today, if you've never trusted Him, why not today? Why not surrender your life to Him today? Why not let Him redeem you and make you 
his child. He'll come to live in you through the Holy Spirit. He'll give you a spiritual gift. He'll make you a part of his body, a part of his army, and you will have a purpose in life, a purpose that is an eternal purpose and a glorious purpose as you fulfill his will for you. So my encouragement is, if you're saved, step up. If you're not saved, trust him today. And all of us will be used for his glory, however he has chosen it. Because Moses was just like you. But the good thing is, God is not. And our God doesn't change. He's a sovereign, powerful God. And he is still at work, whether you understand it or not. And he is still at work in you and through you for his glory. Step up. Be counted. And don't waste the life and the influence that God has given to you. Can anybody say amen to that? Let that resonate in your heart. Let's pray together before we are dismissed. Thank you again for being here. And I want to encourage you to, uh, to give this morning. And uh, you can give outside in the box. You can also mail it into the church or you can give online. And everybody gets to participate in that. And everybody gets the blessing of all of that. And uh, as a church body, we'll carry on. We'll keep contacting one another. We'll love one another. And uh, one of these days, I heard somebody say, things will get back to normal. You know what I said? I sure hope not. I don't think normal is all that great. I'd like to grow. I'd like to advance. And I'd like for us to be better when we come through this than we were when we started. Because God is at work in us. Use your influence for the glory of God. Father, as people around us gripe, grumble, and complain, let us influence them toward you by praising you, by glorifying you, by smiling, by being thankful by telling other people about Jesus Christ, by standing on the promises of the Word of God. Lord, I know that it gets a little bit concerning when we hear about people that are still dying of this COVID virus. But Lord, the truth of the matter is people were dying before the virus ever came and everyone's going to die even after the virus is over. We and we alone have the message of true life through the gospel. Let us share it. And let us live like people who are going to live forever. And Father, we look around and see people that are so concerned that they're rioting and protesting in the streets. And we agree that there is injustice in this world. But the hope and the redemption of unjust situations is not in burning and breaking and hurting people. Help us to understand we have the power of God on our side. And may we live and walk in the power of God. May we love and may we show mercy. And may we be the people who really do stand up for Jesus and obey His law and walk under His sovereignty as an example to everyone else that is in the world. And please give us influence to be salt and light. From the White House all the way down, throughout all of the world, throughout all governments. May the people of God rise up. May the people of God be like the Daniels that are in the Bible. And may Jesus be glorified through us. We surrender, we submit, and we do it in Jesus' name and for His glory. 
And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so, so very much. And may the Lord bless you.